0: and empower As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination, and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Erin Addison's.
1: On American Family Radio, thanks so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and Marty are
0: <laughs> on tap
1: to help us.
0: <laughs> Marty. <laughs> oh. I'm doing my best, okay? No, I am, it, I'm
1: I'm just trying, you know, stick. people need rhymes in life. They need <laughs> rhymes in life. Yeah. I don't know if you can remember the first time you learned rhyming. Like I don't remember the first time I learned rhyming. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just seems like you get old enough to where it just you feel like you've always known rhyming, right? right? right. But it's interesting because I'm working with Sam Wit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's all of a sudden this light bulb going off where we've read books that rhyme, you know what I mean? But he doesn't point it out or, or he didn't, he didn't. And so now, um, he's at this point where all of a sudden
0: he recognized rhyme.
1: Oh man. And Mm. I mean, he's over the moon (laughs) that rhymes, that rhymes. It's like this thing. And I don't know. I mean, rhyming matters to us. And if somebody can show me, um, some sort of biblical reason that this should matter, or what it shows us about <laughs> God, that'd be great. That'd just be extra. We call it lanyap in Louisiana. I'd appreciate it. Maybe a teacher knows. Um, oh, I'm a teacher. Um, maybe maybe. <laughs> <True. it's... laughs>
0: so do you know? Like,
1: listen, listen. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe a teacher worth more than me um, knows uh, and can answer uh, that question. I'm secure. It's fine. Don't pity me. Do not pity me. Don't say that. I'm secure enough to admit what I don't know and to seek help. From those who, do know, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you ever have a person you're talking to them. I don't like when this happens, guys. Now, I joke about it, but I really mm. don't like when this happens. When when you're talking to someone and they tell you something, and you go, oh, I didn't know that. And they go, you didn't know. Oh, that?"
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what my favorite response know. is? My my favorite response is when did you know it before you knew it? Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like you have to have a point where you learn something. And I, I honestly think we miss out on a lot of information because many of us, we are afraid to say we don't know. Mm-hmm. So we don't ask questions. Sometimes you're talking to people and they assume that you should know what they're saying. and But then you think, yeah, Maybe I should know. So but, you don't but say.
0: My question is, so what is it about that person that always that like you don't know oh Oh, well I have what what, what is that um
1: well because I'm raising some um I think (laughs) it is (laughs) I think it is an exaggerated self-importance that I know this and you don't and you know now now let me say something let me say something it could also be Mm -hmm. it could also be that the person thinks very highly of you and they would have imagined that you had already been familiar with that that's fair and and that's possible Mm -hmm. right um, so we have to have a thick skin and you can't just, you know, you, you know, you can't yeah, cry in a corner. Yeah. I like that. I've I've tried before. It doesn't help <laughs> cr- crying in a corner. No. Um. Anyways. uh, Yeah. So. So rhyming. Marty, because it rhymes. Um, well, there we go. Today Marti. we are going to um, we're going to interview Joy Lucius, who is an AFA journal writer and author. And she is authored the historical fiction uh, novel Rose and Odette um, unknown children of the Holocaust. And I cannot wait to talk to her about this. I'm so fascinated by the way the Lord brought this all together. Um, and just hearing how I I would say God made it obvious that he wanted her to write this novel and to tell these stories and to do it in the way that she's done, I I think is pretty remarkable. And so I'm excited to, to have a conversation around that. Um, before we get into talking with uh, Joy, mm-hmm. I want to kind of rewind just a little bit because we're going to spend some time talking about um, the unknown children of the Holocaust and and just kind of um, going back into our history so that we don't forget the atrocities that were wrought upon Jewish people in this country. And and one of the things that I think is important is that for us as Christians, we understand the significance of the Jewish people. Mm. And I'm wondering about how many of us actually uh, stop to think about that. Now, in our local fellowship, we have been um, exploring the significance of the Jewish people because we've been using a book as a backdrop to teach our kids how to read the Bible. And the book that we are using is How the Bible Works by a man named Bill Foster, How the Bible Works. And as we've been going through, we've been looking at these shadows and types and these parallels that we discover in the Old Testament, and then they have a deeper spiritual significance in the New Testament that was hidden in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so, Bill Foster, the author of this book that we're working through with our young our young followers of Christ, um, he gives a one sentence description of the Bible, and um, he he gives, and I think it's it's. I mean, obviously, one sentence, that is a succinct description of the Bible. But in that one sentence, when you start pulling out all of those pieces, it changes the way you read the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. I I think. And I'll read the one sentence here just for the sake of our discussion as we uh, look forward to in the next segment talking with our sister Joy. But this is what he writes. He writes his own one-sentence description. You might try your hand at writing your own one-sentence description, which is what we suggested to our young people. So um, he writes, The Bible is a supernatural written record of God using Israel to save a fallen world.
0: Hmm.
1: I'll read it again. This is Bill Foster, by the way. The Bible is a supernatural written record of God using Israel to save a fallen world, and so we've been going through this and um, kind of taking this apart, if you will, and looking at the things that the Lord did in and through Israel, and how He preserved, well, established His covenant, made a people that were not a people, established His covenant with them. There was no one greater to swear by; He swore by Himself, entered into this covenantal relationship with with Abram changed his name to Abraham, entered into this relationship with him. And through this group of people, he would bring the Messiah. When you think about that and you think about sort of this, this group of people from the beginning, almost, if you will, you think of the trials and you think of the ups and downs and you think of the woes and, and you think of the times where um, even in particular where the Lord is like, that's it. I'm done with them. Yeah. It is you, Moses. I'm going to start again. It's like crumpling up a ball of paper and saying, you know what? Here we go. Fresh sheet. It's you, Moses. You got it. Um, but, but the Lord who, um, keeps his word, who does not fail the Lord, who, who cannot lie and who is ever faithful. This actually changes the way we read a lot of the rituals, um, A lot of the practices, a lot of the things that we see in the Old Testament, and so I wanted to, as we um, prepare, I wanted to share a few of those because I think they're so neat to look at the parallels. One of the things that we also pointed out um, in looking at the Old and New Testament, Will the Great, do you remember when we talked about um, there was a um, pastor, well-known pastor, and want to
0: unhitch (sighs) unhitch or whatever from the Old Testament? Said
1: that that new that (laughs) it's time for Christians to unhitch. From the Old Testament.
0: Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) I remember that.
1: So amazingly, right? (laughs) Like you think about that. Like I want you guys, like, let's just think about that for Mm -hmm. a second. So we say we no longer need to read the Old Testament. We only need to read the New Testament. Mm. But we are talking about two complementary books that are, if you will, one message. One message. Right. And what did uh, St. Augustine say? And I'm going to read it so that I don't misquote it here because (laughs) the kids like to mock me when I get it wrong. Um, The new talking about the Old and the New Testament, the New Testament, Mm -hmm. the new is in the old concealed Mm. and the old is in the new revealed. Mm -hmm. So when you have all of these things, as we call them shadows and types, all of these things happening that will parallel these eternal spiritual principles in the New Testament that, by the way, even we Gentiles will be able to understand. Because of the fullness of the revelation, like how do you just start there and say we don't need to understand what God was doing through Israel, right? How God was preserving these people through whom the Messiah would come.
0: I mean, you can't, you can't really have the full picture without that. Like, you know, because all of the prophecies and everything else, you know, uh, points to Christ. Yes. And and all that's in the new Testament. So you have to have both.
1: You have to. And, and I would say you have a richer reading experience when you have both. Yeah. And when, and especially if you're able to, when you read the old Testament, and think about what God has hidden, and one of the illustrations that I use, and everybody gets tired of hearing it, but I think it's clever, so I'm gonna keep using. It. <laughs> Only, <laughs> I'm just gonna tell the truth, um, not the truth that it is clever. That's arrogant. Um, watch this, because this is not arrogant. The truth that I think it's clever. That's mm-hmm, the truth. I yeah. think it's clever. Mm-hmm. But when I think about the Old Testament and what God has hidden or had hidden in the Old Testament. That was finally revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed in the formation of the church, New Testament. I think it is amazing to, to experience mm-hmm. this um, this master baker, if you will, who can bake a cake and include all, all of the ingredients up front, but determine when you get to taste them. Mm-hmm. All of it's in the cake. It's, it's baked from the beginning. It's baked from the beginning, but he holds back the things that you get to understand and experience. And in this case, in the case of this illustration that you get to taste until he determines it's now time. And so we see this from the old Testament to the new Testament. And why am I bringing this up by the way, in case anybody's just tuning in, mm-hmm. because we're going to talk about the unknown children of the Holocaust. And I think sometimes when we talk about um, the persecution of Jewish people, um, when we talk about anti-Semitism and yeah. um, the types of things that are increasing in this country, sometimes, Christians can be a little bit detached from that because we don't understand the tree, right, Mm. that we're an offshoot of. Mm. We don't understand what we have been grafted into, what God Mm. has done Mm -hmm. for us, right, for us, because of these people through whom the Messiah came. Mm -hmm. So this is important. These Mm -hmm. things become significant. And then when you add to that, when you add to that, the parallels that we get to read and experience in the New Testament it's mind blowing. It is absolutely mind blowing. And and I got to tell you, I think sometimes when I have the opportunity um, to teach our kids, it's well, often it's because it's something that I've just been kind of geeked about. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I just can I can I show them this? I want I want them to understand this and experience it. And even as I'm teaching it, yeah, man, I'm geeked all over again. <laughs> it just excites me to see the wisdom of God and just and. I mean, of course, God is he is the only wise God. Amen. So a few parallels here from the Old Testament to the New Testament. As you look at the children of Israel, you look at this um, this group of people that the Lord made mm. and separated unto himself. Who he, were not he, a people. They were not, <laughs> they were not a people. That's how
0: God does, though. you know, something oh. out of nothing. You know? Amen. Amen. <laughs> right. Where have I heard that before?
1: Right. But it's its like he doesn't he doesn't begin with an existing people group. hmm. He makes a people and he he makes a people from two people, right? Who thought that they knew better. And God says, no, that's not, that's your own strength. And again, all of these things have spiritual implication on what we're going to see about the mercy and the grace of God, that mm-hmm. it's not our own action. It's not our own doing. It is God's promise and his fulfillment of it. Mm-hmm. He's totally sufficient. Like he, he saves us and he seals us. He holds us in his hands. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to me to see the parallel. So in the Old Testament, we're looking at the Messiah's physical ancestors, right? So we're we're following this line. We're looking at how we get to Christ. And then in the New Testament, we are looking at the Messiah's spiritual offspring. Mm. So what does it mean now for those of us who are in Christ? What is the significance there? And I got to tell you, because we got, we have a kid, we have a kid who, um, is really kind of shocked at the way Israel kind of misses it over and over and over again. (laughs) How could they, how could they not like, Oh, and, and, and I don't want to say uh, you guys know who it is. He will say over and over again, ah, it's so obvious. Like, how could they not get it? How could they not, you know? And, and, and also he will say, man, I could understand God's anger. Mm. Look at what he's done for them. Look at what, look at how he had carried them through. And you know, But then what do you get to see even in the Old Testament context that the Lord does not just turn them away? Mm -hmm. You see God's mercy. But watch not only his mercy for Israel, but his mercy for us, because through Israel comes the Messiah, the savior of the world. So we are on the receiving end of God's mercy, even as they were. All right. I could have gotten through more of that. Sorry. (laughs) We'll take a break and we'll come right back. Stay there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us, the Addisons. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and as Brad and Rebecca, I am found.
1: And Joy Lucius joins us now. We are going to discuss her novel, Priceless Pennies Rose and Odette Unknown Children of the Holocaust. And uh, before we do that, though, um, I'm going to ask Joy to share um, quite a bit of the background to the story. I was fascinated. Um, just to hear the way that the Lord works and when he's drawing us to do something, when he is leading us to do something, um, it really becomes undeniable. But I think in the way that the Lord um, led you to write this novel, um, it, it really is quite spectacular. Would you would you describe it that
2: way, Joy? It is an absolute miracle, probably the most um, miraculous thing that ever happened in my life. And I've had some amazing adventures with uh, the Lord, but mm-hmm. it was absolutely just amazing.
1: So let's go back. Let's because you were, you were interviewing someone right yeah. on the topic of the unknown yes. children of the Holocaust. Okay. And then, so take us back to that interview, um, discuss a little bit of the nature of it. And then um, what happened after that?
2: Well, here at AFA, I work for the AFA journal and, and we get to interview some of the most amazing people. So I was given the awesome opportunity to interview Miss Diane McNeil from the Unknown Child Foundation in uh, Memphis, outside of Memphis. And um, so I was very excited. I did all my homework, I, you know, did all my research, and uh, immediately when I began to research the topic of children, who died in the Holocaust, which there were 1.5 million who were murdered in the Holocaust simply for being Jewish children. Mm. Um, Almost the first picture I saw, Mickey, were these two beautiful little Mm -hmm. um, black-haired girls Mm -hmm. from France. And I don't know why, other than just God, drew me to their picture. It reminded me of myself and my sister. I could just picture us having this picture made. Um, So, I did a lot of research, but I kept coming back and scrolling back to that one picture. So, finally, I just printed it out Mm -hmm. and um, put it in my purse. And then later, when I was interviewing another author, I told her, I said, you know, you should do a a story about the Unknown Child um, Foundation and the children. She didn't even look at me like she acknowledged me. And immediately, I heard the voice of the Lord say, no, maybe you should. Well, Mm -hmm. I immediately started giving him my big long list of excuses why I couldn't. First Mm -hmm. of all, I'm not a professional writer. Second of all, I'm not a Jew. That's really too sacred of a story for me to be telling. And I went through my, my excuses and I let it go. And um. Then we went on vacation with our family, and we have two grandsons and two granddaughters. So at one point in the trip, you know how it is when it gets crazy, Will. At one point <laughs> in the trip, we put all the boys and men in one car and all the women and the girls in another car. And mm-hmm. so I was with my 15-year-old granddaughter, and I asked her, I said, Emma, what are you all study uh, now about the Holocaust? And she began to tell me, and she told me the books she read. And I told her, uh, I'm a retired school teacher, the things I used to teach – Mm-hmm. And I pulled the picture out, and then I showed her. And I told her my story, and I said, you know, Emma, I heard the voice of the Lord tell me I, I probably need to write this story, but I can't. And I gave her all my excuses. And she just kept staring at the picture, and finally she looked up out of the car seat and looked across at me, and she said, but ya, ya you know if God told you to do it, you're going to have to do it. Mm. So I quickly took the picture away from her and folded it back and put it in my purse. And a week later, I went to the Unknown Child Museum uh, exhibit in in Hernando, Mississippi, and they took us on a VIP tour. And it was so moving and so amazing. But when it was over, um, one of our guides said, "Ah, we forgot to turn on the sound system. And Mm. um, so— Uh, One of the other guys said, well, it's kind of a moot point. And he said, no, she's got to hear it. And Mm -hmm. so as he went to get the recorder, they began to explain to me that they have recordings of 300 of the children's names. And they read them out very solemnly. And um, they read their birth date and their day that they were murdered. And so he went to get it. And you could see him in the hall. It wouldn't work at all. And so um, at that point, um, he was in that mode where you could see his face was fixing to apologize. Sure. And all of a sudden, the the recorder came on, and I heard Rose Abolafia, 1932 to 1944. Odette Abolafia, 1936 to 1944. And I screamed. <laughs> and I start digging in my purse, and my sister helps me. And um, so she pulls out the picture out of my purse, this picture, this exact picture. And so I began to tell my story, weeping and crying. And Miki, I've never felt the presence of God so profoundly Mm. with a group of strangers. Mm -hmm. And so we all joined hands and we began to pray. And they just prayed that God would ordain this work and ordain me to accept this assignment and write this book so as my granddaughter said god says it you have to do it yeah
1: (laughs) so joy let me let me go back if if it's okay let me run a highlighter over this just in case like (laughs) somebody kind of did not get all of this So here you are, you have this picture of these two sisters in your purse. These two girls have stuck out to you Mm -hmm. and you're in this this (laughs) mode where God has spoken to your heart and you feel like the Lord is leading you to write their story in some way, to write about these unknown children who were murdered in the Holocaust. And here you are, you're walking through a museum which normally has the names of these children Mm -hmm. echoing through the museum, played throughout the museum, that particular day, those names were not being played. No. Then you can't get the recorder to play, and at the moment that it does- Two names.
2: Plays the names of
1: the girls that you have in your purse. Yes.
2: I still get chills right this moment. I can cry every time. I've told the story (laughs) so many times. And I cry every time because think about it, (laughs) 1.5 million children, 1.5, and yes, God knows every one of them by name. He knows them by name, but we don't. Mm -hmm. But out of those 1.5 million children, they had paid to have a recording made by a rabbi from Jerusalem um, of these 300 children, and out of those 300 children, I heard two and only two names that day. Amazing amazing. And so now I Rose just, and Odette are just a part of me.
1: Like wow. okay, so but but you know I and and I know we're man, we there's so much for us to talk about. We're going <laughs> to unpack. We're going to spend two segments here, but I I just kind of I want us to pull up a chair here just for a second <laughs> because I think that even among believers, we are very tempted to Live as if we don't have a supernatural relationship Aww. with the Lord, mm. right? Amen. Like we're very comfortable with the things that we orchestrate, mm-hmm. the things that we control, the things that we do, but we are in relationship with God because of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and He is active in our lives. He is leading us, He is guiding us. Amen. And then you have a moment like this where mm. I think even among Christians, <laughs> If, you know, if it's unfamiliar to be led by the Lord or to have the Lord orchestrating works Mm -hmm. that he wants you to do, this can be very uncomfortable, Joy. Like this could be one of those things where it's like, no, No.
2: could it be? (laughs) I know, but this
1: should be very natural to us, shouldn't it?
2: It really should be. And as I said, as a Christian, as uh, I've grown up as a Christian, raised my children as Christian. um, I've had some miraculous times with the Lord. You and we'll both know that. Um, my oldest child was in a car wreck and God miraculously saved him Mm -hmm. after 10 days in a coma. And our youngest son went through about with cancer four years ago and God has, so it's not like I, I didn't recognize the hand of God, but Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. said, Mickey, it's just so much easier to live in the world that we live in and just do the mundane. We go Mm -hmm. to church, Mm -hmm. we get up to our devotions, we go to bed at night and we pray. We, we do what we're supposed to do. Mm Mm-hmm and And we forget that we serve I am that I am that's
1: right. the oh. same
2: God that spoke to Moses in a burning bush <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. he he sees us no different, mm. he sees oh. us no differently, and I am an old grandma, retired school teacher, but I think, and i've I've said from day one somewhere somehow he made a grandma, I believe she's part of my book a part i may I believe he made her a promise that her children and her grandchildren would forever be his children and that he would forever remember them. And, you know, Mm Mickey, I believe that God probably over 75 years, he probably offered this assignment to other people, Mm -hmm. and they didn't accept it. Praise God that he had to just kind of knock me down, (laughs) slap me in the face with it. But um, we accepted it, not just me, but I immediately took my idea to uh, my editor at Mm -hmm here at the Journal, and he was and he was so excited. He said, write up the proposal. We'll take it to, to Mr. Tim and to mm-hmm. Mr. Baal, all the uh, leadership. And we sat down in a meeting with leadership, and immediately they were like, yes, we have prayed so long for God to give us a way to reach out to our Jewish brothers and sisters and to build a bridge, just a mm. bridge of conversation, a bridge of honor, a bridge of respect, and a bridge of relationship. And, and Ed uh, especially said, H- what better way than a children's book, a youth book, mm-hmm. to just bridge that gap and to to uh, reach our Jewish brothers and sisters. Wow. And so it has been amazing. Wow.
1: Let's talk about that then. Let's yes. kind of, um, let's go into Priceless Pennies. Um, as you sit down and you've got the green light and you're going to start working on this, how do you know the angle that you're going to take with this story and then Walk us into how it begins to shape up.
2: I really didn't know. I knew that um, I had a I had a story. I had two little girls. We knew that they within five minutes of researching, I knew that they died. Uh, the day they died, I knew they died at Auschwitz, and I knew that they had immediately been taken from the train to the gas chambers. Wow. And I knew this because they were on a very famous train um, during the Nuremberg trials. Uh, one of the witnesses testified about a group of orphans from Isou orphanage in France, and how it literally these Jewish children had been tracked like, like with hound dog like ferocity to wow. find these Jewish children that that the French Christians had hid. And so when he when they found them, they had them in this in this particular train that. Um, rose odette and and their mother had been assigned to so i knew that from the first-hand account that they went immediately from the train to the gas chambers mm. and so i was like lord what's the story right. i mean wow. where do we go from here so literally for six months everyone in the journal helped me we began to research every abla family member um the maiden name is Betran. we we interviewed so many people we found nothing The mom, the dad, and both children had been murdered, so there was nothing, no record of them. In fact, uh, on the family trees, they just didn't exist. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
2: I went home for Christmas six months later, and I told my boss, I was like, boss, if something doesn't get, (laughs) if Jesus doesn't open the door, we're we're stuck. There's Mm -hmm. nothing to tell. So we came back and literally sat down the first day, turned on the computers, and there was a new picture on um, one of the sites that I frequented, And it was a picture of Rose and Odette, supposedly older, put on by a family member. And I kept saying, it doesn't look like them. And uh, my editor said, but Joy, remember, this is before the war. And this is three years into the war. And they've grown. They've matured. They've been through so much. Mm -hmm. It is them. They look totally different. So I contacted that family member and very tersely said, "I'm doing a project on Unknown Child uh, Foundation and I'm researching Rosen Odette Abolafia. Do you have any information?" And he said, "They were my aunts." And I was like, nope, mm. "No, another dead end. They didn't have brother. <laughs> you know, they didn't have brothers, but they did. Mm. They had two older brothers, David and Leon. And literally only weeks before their deaths, they were secreted out of uh, Paris." In the bottom of a garbage truck and helped by the boy scouts and the salvation army to wow. get out wow. and they nice. actually offered for the other two but she thought her children the girls were too young and it was too dangerous and honestly she wanted to be home when her husband came back she had faith that he wow. would be back so both um both of those brothers are now dead one had died only two minutes bef- two months before this chris that christmas and the son cleaned out the home, and he found a suitcase. <laughs> he found a suitcase with all this information. Maybe this is the sad Amazing. part. Is the, this the sad part? I mean, will as a father, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like to to raise your children mm-hmm. and not have any backstory. Mm-hmm. But he literally never. His the father David, the brother. Um, He raised two sons, and he never told them anything about his sisters, his parents, other than he had this picture and one picture of their parents, and it sat on a hallway table, and it was almost like a shrine. Mm. But you knew Mm. as a child to not mention it, to not talk about it. Wow. And so in that suitcase, he found things he didn't know anything about. And so as we've begun to communicate and have a relationship, he's found out so much about his family. In fact, one day he told me, he said, Joy, I'm going to go take some pictures for you. And so he went, took a day off, walked across around Paris, and he emailed me back and said, you're not going to believe this. He said, I went to take a picture of their their uh, apartment building for you. And he said, I'm standing across the street taking a picture, and I realize I'm standing in the doorway of my mother and daddy's best friend's apartment building. He said, Joy, do you know how many times I've come here in my life, and not once did anybody say, that's where we used to live before the war. So it's wow. been an wow. amazing journey. I mean, this
1: this is just, it It seems to me, like, you know, it almost, it, it feels like when you hear Rose and Odette's names called out, it seems like that's the climax of the story, but it really isn't. <laughs> no. It is its the beginning of certainty that you've got to find a way to tell their stories. And when we get back on the other side of the break, I want us to kind of jump into that beautiful story that you tell about Rose and Odette and I and I wanna hear the parallels and, and just kinda talk about that. We're discussing priceless pennies. Um Rose and Odette. Um wait, what's the subtitle? You gotta help me, Joy. I'm Odette, forgetting the subtitle.
2: Unknown children of the Holocaust.
1: Why, well the, the series
2: that? is priceless pennies. Yeah.
1: Priceless Pennies is the series. Joy Lucius, I know that name. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Sometimes I do better than other times when I'm getting the time cues. And then and sometimes I'm just like, I
0: can't <laughs> think. I'm Mickey. And I'm Will, and that's uh, Mercy Me, even if.
1: Joy Lucius joins us. We're discussing her novel, Rose and Odette, Unknown Children of the Holocaust. And um, as we went to break, we were talking about how, um, well, so much you you're, you're going to have to make sure you go back and listen to that that first segment there's no way that I could summarize that. i'll tell you where we did land though it was the shaping up of this story and and how do you begin to take the information that you are discovering and put that into a novel? So can we pick up there yes. uh, joy, How does this story of sisterhood begin to take shape?
2: Well, as it begins to take shape, it's very different than I thought it would be. I am a teacher like you are. And so everything that I do is colored by teaching the next generation. Mm, (laughs) And so God just, it just was such a natural thing. So there's a class, just like the original Priceless Pennies Project, um, the group of kids from Hernando uh, from the middle school there. They collected 1.5 million pennies, one for each child Mm. in the Holocaust because their teacher one year she was just like they weren't getting it it was just like it, they could and so she said you know what what is 1.5 million and they began to talk and so they they were going to collect 1.5 million pennies and she thought wow. nah, they won't do it it took them 4 years <laughs> and it took everybody in the town and all the homeschool kids wow. and every businessman but they collected 1.5 <laughs> million pennies and that's where The Unknown Child Foundation actually took form. So what better way than to have a class, Mm -hmm. a real class, um, do a project? So in my novel, (laughs) there's a a class, a middle school class, and they do projects. And there are two fictional sisters. One is Tori, one is Tilly. And Tori has to do a project, and she's not really excited about it because her life is kind of turned upside down right now. um, She's from a Christian family but there's sickness and and trouble in her family. So she's not really concerned about kids from 75, 80 years ago. But as she begins to take on this project, she has pretty much the same miraculous journey that I did uh, in the way that she finds Rose and Rose finds her. So her subject to uh, research is Rose and Odette. And as she does so, she discovers so much about the holocaust but she also discovers so much about herself hidden Mm. things and things in our society and so it's just a journey and it's amazing story it's a parallel it is everything that you read about the abel is 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 pretty much truth and but there is the fictional side to to really keep kids interested and to and to bring it home and so god just began to craft it and i was sitting outside uh while I was waiting, and I was reading the first chapter, and even though it took two years to research and write, and I've read it a million times, when I read it, it's almost like I didn't write it. It really (laughs) is. I think to myself, who in the world (laughs) came up with that? Well, God did. It's his story. He knew how to tell it. And so um, when I sent it to um, the nephew, he said, one of the things he said was, first of all, you have to give him credit because he speaks English and French, but he has to translate when he reads. So it really took an investment of his time to read it. Mm -hmm. And once he read it, he said, one of the things he said is, it amazes me how I truly think you captured their personalities. Because he said, the only thing my daddy ever said was, Rose was the most serious, industrious, smart girl he had ever met. And so... It just kind of took shape. And I really believe that God had his hand in it. And I'm so, I I don't want to say proud. I'm just honored. I'm just amazed that God would use this. And I think it really is a story for such a time as this because I was telling y'all during the break, uh, I read even this morning um, that New York City openly admits that hate crimes uh, were up. More than double this year. Mm-hmm. And of those hate crimes, 60%, they said over 50, but it was really 61. I can do the math. Uh, <laughs> 61% of those hate crimes were Jewish and Asian and mostly mm. Jewish, against Jewish people. And it amazes me that we're right back at the same tipping point that, that Germany and Europe was in the late 1930s. It's also scary. Mm-hmm. But the difference, I think, this time is we know and we have we we know, and so we're going to get to make the same choices. And um, I pray that we make different choices than the people of Europe did. I pray that we bless and honor and stand mm-hmm. with our Jewish brothers and sisters and honor them with the, the love and the honor that, that God had for them. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. his people. They're yeah. his chosen yeah. people. Amen. And yeah. if we can't honor them and we can't love them, And how can we say we love him?
1: Mm. It's not possible. You know, Joy, I think that's so significant. And even in the first segment, that was something that I was thinking about. Like, Mm -hmm. how do we as Christians make the connection to this group of people that the Lord made? He made a group of people and then set them apart unto himself through whom the Messiah would come the Messiah would come. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you have anything kind of like pressing on your heart when you think about the way that we as Christians, members of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. how we might do a better job of connecting and even understanding why Israel matters, why we can't just ignore Israel.
2: Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to know our scripture. We need Mm -hmm. to know our Bible. God left us the Bible for its life, the words of life. And so he is very plain. He's very direct about who his children are and mm-hmm. that we are to love them. And so the first thing is to know your scripture and to do not fall for the silly, crazy replacement theory. That is right. insanity. Mm-hmm. Right. And to know that you know that you know that they are his chosen people. And then I just think that you just need to ask God to make you, you know, Tell him you're willing, tell him you're available, and then he'll give you opportunities. And also to seek out and to to learn. We have uh, so many resources here uh, at at AFR, and you can learn more about your Jewish brothers and sisters, and you can learn how to be a, a helpmate and how to be a bridge. But mainly, I think it's just listening. You know, the Bible says that he's looking for people that have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. So if you're willing to hear and to see and then obey, he's going to give you something to do. It may not be something as crazy as writing a book when you're 58 years old, but it might be something that is just as life-changing. And um, I just think, you know, start by going to a Holocaust museum Mm -hmm. and be open to meeting people. Um, There's a Holocaust museum in every city in America go um, mm-hmm. volunteer um, and just be open and just be available and learn always read and learn and God has something for you to do I know he does
1: And you know it's really interesting um, when we just tell <clears throat> excuse me when we just tell our kids about the persecution mm. of the Jewish people and if we don't Drill down mm-hmm. into this—the significance to us and and what how we as Christians relate to God's chosen people. If we just mm-hmm. start talking about the persecution of the Jewish people, and and you look at this throughout the generations, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that our kids observe—they go, if you just take that alone, if you just you you have to ask yourself the question: Wait, why? Why? why have they constantly been so persecuted? Right. Why have they constantly been so attacked, such the objects of scorn? Like what makes them so special in history that they have repeatedly been on the receiving mm-hmm. end of such torture and, and such hatred and such vitriol, even down to today? And I think that's one of those starting points that we might use yes. um, even to be able, we ourselves to understand and help our kids understand. And I just want to make sure that, um, with Rose and Odette, with, with yes. this novel that you've written, is this something that a kid could read? Is it, yes. is it written at a level for a younger reader?
2: Yes, it is. I would say I taught um, from third grade to 12th grade. But I would say this is a preteen, teen book. But we've had okay. so many adults read it and enjoy it. But next month in the, um, in the January, February issue of um, the journal, The Stand, Mm-hmm. Um, there's an article coming out about a young girl in a, a middle school in Texas and she read it and she did her own project her own book report and we're getting accounts like that from schools all over not just pub uh, private schools but public schools wow. and so yes it is very readable. Um, I don't think there's anything in there that you should be worried about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pe- one of my teacher friends who read it said, "Well, you'll use some pretty big words," and I was like, "Well, they need to learn them. Yeah, that's so right. <laughs> Raise that vocabulary <laughs> level." But as far as the story, um, it's truth, but it's not graphic. It's mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. graphic, and so it's it's very much in there. And one of the things that our youth group, when we talked about it at, at church the past. Um, a few weeks we've been studying Israel and the Palestinian um, issue. Uh, one of the things that amazes them is when you actually get out a map and you see how tiny yeah. Israel Come on, yeah. is. Yeah. Come on, and yes. so when you see that and you go, wait a minute, how is this tiny country mm-hmm. dominated world politics Mm -hmm. and world issues from the beginning of time well (laughs) duh (laughs) come on that there it is right and so um i just think it's amazing and i think that kids are ready to learn and you know what Mickey? if we don't teach them the world's going to teach them Mm -hmm.
1: that's right and they're going to teach
2: them that it that the palestinians people have have been, you know that that it that they're the ones that are being abused, and mm-hmm. but that's not the true story. That when Israel's you occupy yeah. land that
1: doesn't belong to them, and yeah, and when right.
2: you, how many countries do you know that you would let your own enemies be part of your government? <laughs> right. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They right. have a they have a voice, and so I just think when you get those facts out there, kids know the truth. They recognize the truth. They recognize lies. So mm-hmm. teach the truth. And they'll come to it, and they'll they'll use it.
1: You know, there's an interesting side story in 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 all of this that we're discussing. Our teaching pastor at our local assembly says about retirement that in the body of Christ we don't retire, we refire. So he says <laughs> we we, re- and and that's exactly what you've done. Uh-huh. And it's amazing to me to know that you have all of these years invested in teaching and training Mm -hmm. children. And then you refire and look at what the Lord (laughs) trusts you to do. And, and I I mean, the proof, you know, that you're trustworthy, that you can be trusted with these, these tasks is what we're talking about here today. Mm. Tell me how this project has changed you. And then tell me what you really sincerely hope um, that will be the legacy of what you're doing even right now.
2: Only you, Miki, could get right to the heart of the matter. Um, for me, this project has changed me more than anything other than being a wife and a mother in the, in, in my everyday normal life. It really mm-hmm. has. And it has changed and impacted our family. And it's changed me because I have realized that we all have a purpose. We all have a plan. And until the day we meet him, as my husband says, this earth is not for resting. This earth is for working (laughs) for the kingdom. We get to rest when we get home. And so so this has just shown me that. But it's also shown me that he never, ever forgets us. Mm -hmm. He never forgets us. He knows our name. He knows who we are. And he will do whatever it takes to love and to remember us. And I just feel like God has given me this family to love for the rest of my life, <laughs> and I believe that, I honestly believe that we don't even know yet what, how it's going to impact, because I believe that as the Bible says, you bless Israel, you're blessed, you're cursed, Israel, you're you're cursed, AFA stood up and immediately, immediately, no hesitation whatsoever, they took on this project. I'm the only person my age in the world who had a book published and had a had editors had artists had everything <laughs> nothing you know just i didn't have to do anything but write the book and that's amazing in itself wow and then i believe that because of that we're being blessed and we don't even know we're being blessed yeah. i think that yeah. we've drawn a line in the sand and my legacy that i want is i want every child <laughs> just like whoever it was that prayed lord don't forget my babies I want my children and your children and every child that I ever taught for 23 years, I just claim them for the kingdom of God. And I just see this as one tiny little seed. And when that tiny little seed grows, I'm going to see a harvest that I don't understand. And that's, that's what my heart is. Oh, that's
1: beautiful. That is beautiful. The book is Rose and Odette, and you can find the book if you go to uh, resources.afa.net. Am I right about that, Joyce? Yes. Okay, because I know we've gone through some changes in how we get to our resources, <laughs> so I want to make sure that I send people um, to the exact place that they need to be. Rose and Odette, Unknown Children of the Holocaust, authored by our very own Joy Lucius. and it's. Very readable. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for your obedience to God. And thank you for being so transparent with us today. Like, I know how you and I talk (laughs) when we just talk to each other face to face. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when we get behind these microphones, it can kind of, like, we change a little bit because we're like, ah, there's so many people we don't know. But the reality is that the Lord led you to write this book. And he made it very plain. He made it very obvious and he's using you and he's working through this book also to open eyes that we might never forget. And also that it would be confirmed, even the things that we read in scripture, that God's not done with Israel, that he cares about his people. He cares about his people. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He told us about God is not done with Israel. And so anyway, may we be found praying. All right. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing.
0: God bless.